Amen. Well, good to be saved. Good to be in church. What happened to this crowd right here? What happened to this right I don't spit that far, guys. I mean, really, it's a safe zone here. Well, amen. It's always good to be saved. Always good to be in church. Uh, I'll mention a couple of things about the book table. Probably nothing out there will help you, but maybe help us if you buy this stuff, okay? We, we have got to unload it somewhere. Um, and, and as far as the book table is concerned, uh, it will be open until before tomorrow night service, not after. So if you want something tonight or tomorrow morning uh, or uh, before the evening service, uh, it'll be available, but then Kathy is going to pick it up. Uh, this book, uh, again, this I did not write this. We just published this one. It's called Bible Truths <clears throat> Seldom Taught. The first one, Why the King James Bible. I'm not sure that one's seldom taught, okay? Uh, Hyperdispensationalism, that's not a how-to. Uh, the, the theodicy, the theodicy? Well, I couldn't teach that. I can't say it. Uh, God's plan for children, the sign of the prophet Jonas, the doctrine of uh, predestination, uh, preterism, uh, how God speaks to us today, tongues. That's not a how-to. Uh, and is the United States in prophecy? She's finally coming forward. Look at this. It's finally happened. Oh. Anyway. Uh, so uh, and this guy's a pretty sharp guy. I think he's retired Air Force. Uh, I, I, I want to say colonel. I might be wrong. But... Uh, uh, good book. Uh, this one used to be called, uh, For His Pleasure, Al Salvage. It is good to see you. I borrowed $10 from him 35 years ago. He's back for it. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. Bro, you bless my heart. Amen. Anyway, uh, and, and I'll be honest. I changed the name. I had a couple of chapters, but I changed the name because in this environment, I just don't want to sell a book entitled For His Pleasure. Okay? Got the whole wrong crowd buying the book. Um, uh, and guys, uh, I look, I believe, I believe the uh, most important verse in the Bible is Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Uh, and I think, uh, and, and you know what I tell people? I said, if you put a target up on that wall, and the, and the bullseye is where God wants you to hit, man doesn't even hit like the ten ring. He hits that wall. Man is always 180 degrees out from where God wants. Uh, in the book of Jonah, Jonah says, okay, if you want this storm to stop, throw me overboard. And he went, okay, guys, row harder. Uh, salvation is by grace, correct? So what's the world teach? By works, far as you can get. And I'm sorry, guys, but I think our whole purpose for breathing, our whole purpose for being on this planet uh, is to put a smile, to be a pleasure to our creator, to put a smile on his face. And, and I really believe this, guys. Uh, it would be good to get up in the morning and say, Lord, what can I do to put a smile on your face today? Because most Christians get up every day and tell him what he could do to put a smile on our face. Here's what you can do to make me happy. And so it's always 180 degrees out. So uh, I had a preacher tell me, he said, it changed my prayer life. He said, now I get up in the morning and still telling God what he can do for me. I ask him, what can I do to put a smile on your face? So uh, that is out there. This one. Uh, is your Bible a counterfeit? Uh, you probably don't have a problem with that because you have the right book. But I get people and they'll say, well, 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 how do I check other versions? Or how do I know what's wrong with a modern version? And so this is kind of a, a thin one, uh, and it covers that. Uh, this is one of two books that my pastor has, uh, has uh, written. He wrote one on uh, anti-abortion. 
And, um, uh, and then this is on Mormon doctrines. We have a lot of Mormons uh, out in Idaho. And so uh, I think, you know what I believe? I just think this. I think Christians ought to be their neighborhood guardians. And what you do is you learn about, I mean, you know, you learn about Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses. And then go through your neighborhood and say, you ever have Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons stop by? Yeah. Do you like that? No. Send them to me. I live right over there. Just when next time a Mormon knocks on your door, send them. Yeah, glad to. So, uh, so that is back there. That's one of those books. It's not a book. That's one of those bullet books where you load it up and either go hunting uh, or defend yourself. But anyway, uh, Kath will be out there tonight uh, and tomorrow morning and then uh, before the service uh, tomorrow night. And then that's that. Um, it is good to be here. This is my favorite night to be in church. I love being in church on Saturday night. And the reason I love being in church on Saturday night is because I know what some of you used to do on Saturday night. And there's some folks, you know, if they'd have told you you were going to be in church twice on Sunday, nah. And if they'd have said you're going to be in church someday on Wednesday, no. And if they'd have told me I was going to be in church on Saturday night, you don't want to record what I would have said. And I, I really believe this. I believe some folks just stepping in the door of a church on a Saturday night, that probably in itself puts a smile on God's face. He probably looks down at this crowd and he nudges an angel and says, see that guy right there? Used to tell jokes about my cross. Now he's singing about it. So I, I like being in church uh, on Saturday night. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bible to three places. Three places. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Psalm 27 and Proverbs 27. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and then Psalm 27 and Isaiah 20, or I'm sorry, uh, Proverbs 27. And we're going to read a couple of verses and then never come back to them. But uh, in Isaiah, and, and the, the, the verse in Isaiah is certainly no... Uh, not a verse uh, that you've never heard before. It's one you've heard uh, quite often, I'm sure. But in Isaiah chapter 40, very last verse. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up <clears throat> with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Uh, they shall walk and not faint. Uh, and then Psalm 27, uh, it says this in verse 14. Wait. On the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And then go to Proverbs chapter 27, and it says this in verse 18 Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Let's bow our heads, let's talk to the Lord. Father, it's good to be saved. It's always good to be saved, God. And uh, you know, Lord, we, uh, we Americans, we kind of feel, like, uh, feel like passengers on the Titanic. We haven't hit the iceberg yet, but we know what's coming. And that can be a distraction, God. It can, it can uh, preoccupy us. Uh, uh, it, can, it can occupy all of our, our efforts, our thinking. Uh, and it shouldn't, God. Help us not to be uh, distracted by what's going on in our world. Uh, for all of it is, what's going on in this world, what's going on in this country, and help us never to forget, God, that it is just good to be saved. And that we are indeed, we, put, we have been put here, Father, uh, to be a pleasure to you, to put a smile on your face. And God, you have been 
You have been so good to us. If people got up tonight and gave their testimony about how they got saved, and they get up next Sunday and gave their testimony, and the next Sunday, it'd be the same testimony. That's a good, that's a good thing. But every Sunday, if we had to get up and say, how did God bless us this week? The testimony changed every week because every week you are good to us. So we thank you, Father, for your goodness. Now, Lord, I pray uh, that you will deliver the message, speak to the hearts of your people, God, and accomplish your purpose in each life represented. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, I think you can see uh, the word that appeared in all those verses, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. Uh, and I, I put it this way, uh, ever since we got saved, when you got saved, from that day forward, we have lived at a bus stop. You say, what do you mean? Well, what do you do at a bus stop? You get mugged. That's Well, no, no. Um, what do you do at a bus stop? You wait for somebody to come and get you and take you where you want to go. Now, is that not, in, in, is that not just like a, a microcosm of the Christian life? Ever since we got saved, we have been at a bus stop, and I have been waiting for the Lord to come and take me where I want to go. A lot of the guys that were at that bus stop when I showed up in June of 1970, they found another way to get there. <laughs> they went on ahead. Uh, but we're still waiting for him. <coughs> and I still believe, guys, I still believe he's coming. I still believe he's coming in my lifetime. You say, why? Well, he's got to come in somebody's lifetime, right? I vote mine. I just, I just do. Uh, and I think he's going to come. But that's not what I'm talking to you about tonight. I am not talking to you about waiting on the Lord to come back. We are waiting on the Lord to come back. But if you think about it, you know, a lot of times a word will have several meanings and, and uh, doesn't wait. You ever eat in a restaurant? Well, who serves you? A waiter or a waitress. You say, what do they do? They wait on you. And that is what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. Uh, look, at, look at verse 18. I don't think, really, I, I think you've got to twist it if you want to make verse 18 sound like the rapture. Whoso keepeth the fig tree, doesn't that sound like a servant? Shall eat the fruit thereof. Uh, so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. And so I believe that we are to wait as a servant on the Lord. And all I'm going to do tonight, because, uh, you know, we, uh, we left here last month was 36 years, uh, October of, of uh, 1986, and you guys still haven't found the stuff we stole. That's what amazes me. <laughs> still don't know what we took. But, um, but really, we have, uh, you know, the first 30 years, there was no home whatsoever. Uh, we, uh, we would do two years East Mississippi, two years West Mississippi. And, uh, and when you live on the road, believe me, you spend a lot of time in restaurants, and you get, you get good service, and you get bad service, and then you get horrible service, and then you get service where, can I just kill him? You know, that's how it is. And so all I'm going to do is I'm going to give you uh, some examples, and everything I'm going to tell you is true, all right? I'm going to give you some examples of the people who have waited on us, uh, because I know what makes a good waiter or waitress. I mean, we know that. You know, one of the funniest things is, uh, you know, when we left here, uh, uh, John was 10 and Luke was 1. And after a few years, we'd be in a restaurant and, and the boys would be talking at the table and they'd be, be, they'd be critiquing the, the service. Oh, she's a lot nicer than that lady at the last restaurant. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, look, she does. She fills my water glass. You know, that, they, they were just, they were a little bunch of little Baptists, you know. 
But um, I'm going to talk to you about uh, some of the waiters and waitresses that we have had or had not had. Uh, and um, not, not to denigrate or even exalt them, but to maybe help you see how to do your job of waiting on the Lord a little better. Uh, I'll tell you uh, the first thing, and it's not necessarily, uh, this not all being some kind of order, but this one is the first one. The first thing that a waiter, a good waiter or waitress has to do is notice you. Now that may seem like, uh, well, of course they notice us. Well, I don't know. I really don't. We were, I, I remember it was in Florida. Uh, this was after the boys were all gone. That's one nice thing about living on the road. If, if they give you trouble, leave them at a gas station. Now the boys live in three different time zones. They all have their own gas station. But um, so this was after the boys are all gone. And we, we pulled into this restaurant uh, and, and we walked in. Now, now, guys, I don't understand. But I know I, I, something in these, these restaurants, they all get together. You know, like I'm sure Christian schools have meetings of all the Christian schools in the state. And, and they go, well, here's what we're doing in our school. And goes, oh, you know, I'm going to start doing that when I get there. Or radio stations, you know, they all get together and say, here's how we've been fundraising. And, oh, yeah, we're going to try that when we get here. Because a couple of things have happened. We saw this happen, like, in a, in a couple of weeks, which means somewhere there was a big conference uh, of, uh, of, of restaurants. One of them was, used to go in, they'd, get, they'd seat you. I mean, just put you in a booth or a table. Now, if you don't tell them no, they seat you near the bar. It just, it happened like overnight, like over a, a four-week period. We'd go in a restaurant, all of a sudden, they wouldn't put me in the bar. And I'd say, so now you have to tell them, don't put me in the bar, okay? Uh, and then there's this one, and I don't understand what this concept is. Now, we're not spies. We're not going to talk about something at our table that, you know, we, we don't dare let anybody find out or, or hear us. But did you ever notice you go into a, an almost empty restaurant and like there's people at one booth and they put you at the booth next to it? So we go in this restaurant and I am telling you, the place is probably twice the size of this and there, there's only one booth that is full. It's got two guys in it. And they sit us right next to them. Whole place. And they put us right next to them. That's not so bad. We're not spies. They were spies. That's what had me worried. So what do they do when they seat you? Usually they'll, they'll say, yeah, your waiter will be with you. Do you want some water? Bring some water. Maybe bring you the menus. Well, they just seated us to the booth, and that was that. And for 20 minutes by the watch, I watched the waiter come out of the kitchen and go to the booth. And one nice thing is because they put us next to the booth that was occupied, he couldn't say he didn't see us. I mean, duh. And he would walk out to the booth, and he would talk with them. And in that 20 minutes, he never looked over and acknowledged that you were there. He never said, I'll be with you in a moment. He never said, I'll get you some water. I'll get you. He never got us water, never got us menus. I mean, it was like we were invisible. I want to lose weight. Not that much. <laughs> and so, and, and guys, you may, you know, I, I don't know if I got a reputation for being a tough guy or not, but I am not a coarse and crass person in public. I don't, I, don't, I don't abuse people. I don't berate people. I don't give them a hard time. And so, but I'm sitting there, I'm watching this. I mean, he must have went back four, maybe five times, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, and never even acknowledged that we exist. And I, here's how I look at that. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of restaurants out there. I don't have to take this. 
So I looked at Kathy, I said, babe, I said, there's a lot of restaurants. I said, we'll just go someplace else. So I got up to leave, and as we're walking out, the manager steps up and said, uh, did, how was your food? I said, I wouldn't, look, the manager there, I did not go to the manager and say, I, I made no complaint, I was not going to complain, but he headed us off, and he said, probably because he didn't remember me ever paying. And um, he said, uh, how was your food? And I said, well, I said, I wouldn't know. I said, we sat there for 20 minutes, and the guy didn't, didn't acknowledge we were there, didn't bring us a glass of water, didn't bring us a menu or anything. He goes, if you go back in right now, I will guarantee you'll be waited on in 30 seconds. I said, by an angry waiter, do you really want to make the person carrying your food angry? <laughs> I mean, they're just some folks you don't want to make angry, okay? And the guy that is bringing my food from the kitchen, I don't want to make this guy angry. And I just told him, I said, I said, thank you very much, but I said, we'll just go down the road. And we just went probably not 100 yards down the road, pulled another another restaurant, walked in, here's your menus, here's your water, get your food, and we were in and out and had a great meal. And it might have been a good restaurant and a good meal, and I'm not saying that it was all bad, and I'm not saying every waiter there, but, but guys, a waiter has to notice you. And sometimes we are so busy noticing ourselves and thinking about what I want and what I need and what God needs to do for me that we never... We never take note of him. Uh, some years ago, I was preaching in uh, Austria, and, and so the missionary and I, uh, we went into this restaurant, uh, and the same thing. We sat at this table. Not only did we not get waited on, but there was a guy at a table by himself, and he's sitting there smoking a cigarette with a cup of coffee and stared holes through us. And I thought, maybe he remembers the war. I don't know, you know. I didn't do it. I didn't bomb Austria. And, and I said, uh, do they wait on you here? He goes, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. He'll come. And so I'm, okay, I'm a guest. I sit. And this guy, meanwhile, this guy looks like he's going to come over and kill us just for breathing. And then he puts a cigarette out and gets up from his chair and staring right at us, walks right over to our table and waited on us. He was our waiter, and he was on his cigarette break, and he was mad because somebody messed up his coffee break, cigarette break. He's staring, staring holes through us. Guys, before somebody can wait on you, they got to notice you, and I talk to all kinds of Christians, and they say, well, I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. Would you ever, did you ever look around? Did you ever take note? Did you ever look at, when you read this book and say, hey, is there something here, you know, that can I, could you get my attention? And so a good waiter or waitress notices you. A good waiter or waitress brings you what you want. Let me tell you, there are a few things that I am not interested in, and you know what the one thing, I mean like way up at the top of the list, not the very first thing probably, but way up at the top of the list is I couldn't care less about the waiter's favorite meal. Oh, that's what I like right there. Oh, yeah, that, well, I'm not buying you supper. I was with some preachers, you know, and, uh, uh, and the one guy wanted to, to order something, and so he asked this waitress. This is back when uh, Clinton was, uh, was in the White House, and it could happen, the same for the guy now. Uh, and, and this guy says, uh, this here, he, looks, he points at the menu, this, is this any good? She goes, oh, yeah, that's very good. Oh, good, thank you. So we ordered. It was not very good, okay? The poor animal had died in vain. I mean, you couldn't even identify it was by the fur. 
And so, uh, and, and actually it was so bad that the guy, when she came out, he goes, ma'am, look, I, I don't mean to, to, be, to criticize, but he said, this meal is not good. And she said, well, I've never had it. Have you ever cut anybody with a butter knife? It is so painful, so painful. But, and, and he was incredulous. I said, I said, you got to watch that lion lady. You're liable to end up in the White House. But um, so we went to this. Did you ever go to one of those places where uh, they call it a greasy spoon? And you find out why they call it a greasy spoon. Or Tomain Palace, okay? We would have a game, honestly. Did you ever notice that most salt shakers are kind of like wider at the bottom than the top? And, and so we would, like the boys, well, after we waited on, we would, we'd play a game where you'd grab the salt shaker at the bottom and see how far you could get it off before it slid right through your fingers back down. I mean, just greasy. And um, they, uh, they had an old high chair, so old it didn't even have a belt to hold the kid in. But that was no problem because when you put him in, he's stuck. I mean, you tore his clothes off trying to get him out of so much old food or whatever's in there. You know, I had a short sleeve shirt on. I had my foot, I had my arm on a, on a table like this when I picked it up. It just kind of peeled off of it. And I remember the lady came out and I, I happened to look at my fork and I said, uh, I said, do you think maybe I could have a, another fork? And she goes, there's something wrong with that one. And I, I did hold up. I said, well, I said, the last guy had eggs. <laughs> Say, she gave you the clean fork? No, she charged me for the eggs. But um, <laughs> do you ever go to one of those places where it's like a special, where you get, not because I just go and get a meal, but they say you get salad and the meal and dessert. And so, you know, we did that. Uh, and it was uh, salad and a meal and a bowl of ice cream. And so I said, well, let's get it before Biden gets it all. And um, uh, the young lady walked in the kitchen after we made the order, and immediately came out with the ice cream. Now, I'm not sure if she had read the menu or understood anything about the order of a meal, but she hadn't even brought the salad, let alone the meal, and we sat there and watched the, you know, we had like chocolate soup or vanilla soup. That was all we had by the time, and guys, you know what? Uh, a good waiter or waitress finds out what you want and gets it for you. Now, again, let me ask you this. When is the last time you got on your knees, you and I, who we, we say we are servants of his, you and I, who are supposed to be waiting on him, when is the last time, instead of you telling him what you want, when's the last time you said, what do you want? What could I get to please you? Because that's how this is supposed to work. Is that not true? So, a good waiter waitress brings you what you want. Uh, this is one that gets me upset. I got to admit, this is one that gets me upset. Um, a good waiter or waitress sweats the small things. You know your meal is not a small thing. Uh, the, the sweetener for the coffee. Now, I used to use sugar. I like sugar, Okay. No, I don't mean I like raw sugar. That's not, I know, I like the stuff that's been bleached. I, I want all of the food value bleached out of it. I want to have no food value whatsoever, okay? Um, I've never told you guys, but I have a medical condition, and, and sometimes it, it really gives me some trouble. It's called glaze withdrawal. 
Now, fortunately, Krispy Kreme, Dunkin' Donuts, and Tim Hortons have built emergency clinics all over the country. And so, should I pass out while I'm here, just get a little bit of glaze, cut a vein, put it in there, I'll be fine. And so, I like sugar. And, and I was preaching this church in Florida one time, and I, I was talking about having glaze withdrawal. And this guy came down. Now, did you ever have a guy come down and talk to you, and he's talking to you, but looking through you? And this young guy comes down, he goes like this, he goes, he goes, could I ask you a question? I thought, that's a pretty good one right there. I was surprised you got that one out. <laughs> and I said, yeah, go for it. And he goes, well, he said, you talked about sugar like it's good to eat. I said, well, I tried smoking it once, pal. That didn't work. <laughs> drips down on your chin. It is worse than hot cheese off a pizza. Did you ever have that piece where it just slips off, slaps down on your chin, gives you a third degree burn? This is worse. <laughs> the hot, the, the burning sugar is worse. Uh, and, um, uh, and he goes, uh, as he, you know, it's almost like he thought I wasn't taking him serious. Uh, and and he, so he got a little upset. He goes, he goes, he says, well, sugar is just dope. He said, I quit eating sugar and it cleared up half my mind. <laughs> now, I am assuming everybody that just now chuckled had the same thought that I had when he said that. I, say, I would have said, bud, we need to check your menu. There's something else you need to quit because you ain't all the way across the river yet. You know, <laughs> He got half his mind cleared up. I don't know what he needed to quit for the rest of it. And so I like sugar. So I, I, I lost weight a few years ago, so I quit eating sugar. Still like it. I, I just had to quit eating it. So now, but did you ever notice this? Did you ever notice that there's, no matter what you're doing, there is always somebody there to tell you why you're doing wrong? There's always a good Christian that'll tell you why you're doing wrong. So I'm, I'm having coffee with this guy, you know. He said, you lost weight. I said, yeah. Uh, I said, uh, you know, and, and so I said, I can't eat sugar anymore. And so I used the pink ones, the uh, sweet and low. And, and so I picked these up for my coffee. He goes, that kills brain cells. I said, I said yeah, I've heard that. I said, but I monitor myself very closely, and I said, if reality TV ever gets interesting to me, I'll know I've killed enough brain cells. <laughs> Guys, when I feel like I gotta get home because I don't wanna miss dancing with the stars, <laughs> I'm gonna miss Survivor, or what is it, Tow Truck Wars, or whatever. Guys, guys, when, I, this happened, this happened, I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm with this pastor. We go buy a storage, storage place, you know. You store it, we store it, they store it. He goes, uh, there it is. He said, you know what that is? I said, yeah, it's a storage place. He goes, no, no. He said, that's not a storage place. He said, that's the storage place. Like, I didn't know there was a the, you know. I said, what do you mean the? He said, that's where they film storage wars. Well, now, to me, storage wars would be like, I open the door in this storage area, you go about four down on the other side, and, open, and we shoot at each other, all right? <laughs> but apparently that's not what it is. And he said, I, I guess what they do is like somebody leaves a storage area and the guy lays claim to it, and then they auction it off, and then you open it up and find out what the guy got. He got a treasure, got an old car, got a mother-in-law. And, um, <laughs> and he, said, he said, the whole thing's fake. He said they rent an empty storage unit they get whatever their treasures are, whether it's a $1,000 antique table, whatever it is, they put it in there. Then they get a bunch of, of uh, garage sale junk and stuff it all in there. And he said, then they bring on their three or four 
heavy hitters and then get a bunch of walk on. Hey, buddy, want to be on TV? And you stand there and every now and go, yeah, me. It's all fake. I said, well, whoa, whoa, are you telling me that reality TV isn't real? <laughs> and if you're sitting there right now going, no, I know reality TV's real. You've believed that ever since you were abducted, haven't you? <laughs> anyway, so, um, uh, so this guy, you know, he's telling me I, I, shouldn't eat, uh, I shouldn't eat sweetener. But here's what happens. Now, I don't care how you, look, I'm not with these people. I like my steak medium rare. If you don't want medium rare, get it however you want it. Uh, I like, you know, like guys go, I like my, my coffee strong and black. I like mine white and weak. I, got, I like wimp coffee, okay? Like, like you go to Starbucks and buy a cup of coffee, and I will make four cups of coffee out of your cup of coffee. That's how I like it. And so I put a lot of cream in it. And, and I'll say, we, and, and Kathy likes a lot of cream in it too, so I'll say, we want a lot of cream. And they bring two. For each of us, two of those little things. Now, I'm thinking, I guess one is what you get and two is a lot. And I've often thought about asking, never did it, never did it, probably won't, but I've always, I've always thought, I've always thought um, would you like a lot of a tip? Because maybe they don't understand the definition of a lot. And I go, uh, we need more cream. I like, I like butter on my baked potato. I don't care about anything else, but I like butter. Say, how much? I tell the waiter, waitress, I have one artery left <laughs> that is not clogged, and we want to take care of that today. I said, I do. I said, I said, get a lot of butter. Try to kill me. And they bring two little pats of butter, frozen. Have you ever tried to butter bread with frozen butter? And it, and it just, the butter peels up, you know? I mean, I mean, the bread just peels up around the knife like that. And, and I'm thinking, and so I'll say this, um, you know, they, give it, they bring the food. Is there anything else? I said, yeah. I said, I'd really like a lot more butter. Okay. And here's what they think. Butter, small thing. Uh, sweetener, creamer, uh, salad, more salad dressing. That's a small thing. It's a little thing, so it doesn't really matter. So I'm going to bring it by, but I'm not going to make a trip to the, to the, rest, uh, to the kitchen and back for, a cup, for some butter. But I'm going to be by there in a little while because I, I need to wait on a couple of other tables. So I'll just take it by then. Have you ever tried to put butter on a cold potato? It's a small thing. It's a little thing. I have had some of them, I, and they, they didn't get it. You know, I said, I need more butter. And they turned around, walked straight to the kitchen, and brought out two things of butter. I mean, brought it straight out. You know why? Because a good waiter waitress sweats the small things. They take care of the little things. Have you ever, I'm, guys, guys, if you don't get enough sweetener, if you don't get enough cream, you're not going to drink your coffee until you get enough, right? And by the time she brings it out of there, it's cold. You know what I think our problem is? See, I don't think I'm talking to uh, I don't think I'm talking to a group of serial killers tonight. Other than me, Jonathan, but I don't think I'm talking to a bunch of serial killers tonight. I don't think I'm talking to the most destitute people here. I don't think I'm talking to someone with these horrible uh, things in their secret things, sins in their life. You know what I think? I think I'm talking to people that, like most good church members, your things are little. Your sins are little. Your issues with God are little. 
because they're little, you think they don't matter. But to a good waiter waitress, the little things matter. And I, I appreciate when I, when I say I need more butter, I need more cream, I appreciate when they go and bring it back. Not when they get back after their vacation. A, a good waiter or waitress has a good attitude. Now, I'm not into good attitudes, okay? Women are into good attitudes. Do you know what the difference between a dad and a mom is? Kid comes home and he says, Dad, uh, I got homework tonight, but the guys are having a football game. Uh, can I go play football and then do my homework? Nope. He'll say, uh, or he'll say, not your homework, he'll say, uh, I told you to mow the grass before you did anything else. But Dad, if I mow the grass, I'll be late for the game. Then you better get started. Now, could I help all fathers here? Don't buy your teenage son an electric lawnmower. It's entirely too quiet. He needs something that will hide what he's saying. Okay? Take the muffler off the gas thing. Because you'll see him going out across the backyard going, I hate mowing the grass. And I mean, he's taking the top off the roots of the trees. He's slinging rocks against the side of your car. And he's going, I hope the mower blows up. And then he gets done. And, and your wife says, oh, look, he's singing. He's not singing. <laughs> and he finally gets done. And dad goes out and says, go play. You can put it away when you get home. And so the kid goes and plays. And then that night he gets home. And he's pushed it into the garage. And who is standing there in the middle of the garage but his mother? I saw you mowing the grass. Yeah, yeah, dad told me how to mow the grass before I played football, so I mowed the grass. Well, I know you did, but it didn't count because you didn't have a good attitude. Come on, guys. Have, did you think some soldiers have a good attitude about dying? You know, we don't always have a good attitude. We're supposed to do something for God. We're not always going to have a good attitude. But, but when it comes to waiting on a table, you have a good attitude. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, there is a great truth, to just one great truth to preaching. I, I teach preaching uh, at, our, at our school, uh, and I tell my students the great truth to preaching. There's only one, and this is true. And here it is. In lieu of conviction intimidation will work. Now, what that means is this. You know, when we get up to preach, what we're hoping, uh, you know, what I'm hoping is that I say something to you that the Holy Spirit taps you on the heart and says amen. That's called conviction. But, but here's what preachers know. If conviction, if I can't get the Holy Spirit in the room, then I'll intimidate you and I'll make you feel guilty so you'll think you're under conviction. Now, I'm going to show you how this works. I'm going to get everybody here. I'm going to intimidate everybody in the room. You cannot, you cannot stop me. I have you in my power. Watch. Here's how this works. You don't want people to go to hell, do you? Yeah, you're all afraid to say it. You don't want people to go to hell, right? No, I don't want people to go to hell. And how many of you witnessed to 100 people this week? Because you didn't want... I didn't witness to 100 people. You don't really care about people. I don't really care about people going. Guys, that's not the Lord. That's intimidation. And, and it's like everybody thinks they, 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 they're like the assistant Holy Spirit. They, they hold that office. And so no matter what you say, someone will, will try to, you know, make you feel guilty. So I wasn't here. I wasn't here for this. But there were a couple of preachers, maybe three or four preachers there having lunch because we're Baptist preachers and we're always eating. And this waitress just had a lousy attitude. 
Now, I tell my guys, I, I tell the guys when they're preaching, I said, look, I don't care how you feel. I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if someone you love died. When you come to that pulpit, no one should know. They don't need to know how you feel. They don't need to know about, about what's bothering you. But this lady was just kind of uh, crass and crude. And so uh, finally, this one preacher just told her about it. Said, well, you know, lady, you, you have, you have, your service hasn't been good. Your attitude hasn't been good. You have been testy and biting. And you ought, if you, you know, if you don't want the job, then go someplace else. So as she walks away, there's always one. And he goes like this. Now, brother, how do you know that she didn't just have somebody that she loves die? And she, she's hurting. And you went and said that. Oh, man, I'm sorry. You know what my response to that is? How does she know I didn't have somebody just die? How does she know? If you, don't, if you can't hide it, then work in a coal mine where you don't have to work with the public, okay? Do something where you don't have to work with the public. You need to have a good attitude. I, um, uh, there was a lady, there's a lady up in Montana, and she's probably dead now, which has probably made the world a better place to live. Uh, her name is Ruth, and I'm pretty sure her last name is Les. Uh, and Ruth, uh, if she wasn't a professional wrestler, she could have been. And she'd come out and she'd say this, what do you want? Just brutal. In fact, she, it was a drawing card for the restaurant, you know. And I mean, she'd go, well, why do you want that? And this preacher took his mother-in-law there, which I know I can, I can understand that. You know, I can take your mother-in-law someplace like that. And so he takes his father-in-law and mother-in-law there, and, and this woman walks up and goes, what do you want? Well, so his mom ordered trout. And, uh, you know, she takes the orders. She goes to the kitchen. And the preacher says, now, I can see the door to the kitchen. My mother-in-law has her back to it. And she says, I see Ruth coming out with the, with the food. And he said, my mother-in-law is leaning over saying something to my husband, her husband. And she don't even say, excuse me, sticks her hairy old arm right between them with this trout, fully equipped. Head, skin, fins, eyes, everything. Sticks it right between them and drops it in front of this woman. And the woman goes, is just startled. She goes, oh. And the woman goes, Ruth goes, what's the matter? She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just not used to my fish having the head on it. That better? You say, what would you say? You don't say nothing. She'd tear your head off next, okay? But now let me, guys, tell me if this isn't true. I like to take my wife out to eat. I just like to take her out to eat. I like to sit there and watch her eat, hear her eat. <laughs> Honey, maybe you should use the silverware. Well, I know, but it's spaghetti. Well, at least could you use just one hand? But um, do you ever just want to take your wife out for a nice, I'd like to, look, she's, she's there. Don't worry, she's heard us a thousand times. She's the one that wrote the sermon. She put this in here. 
And you want to take your wife out to a nice restaurant and you want to have a nice evening and the waiter waitress is so crude and so short and so snippy that it almost ruins your night. A good waiter waitress needs to have a good attitude. Guys, I don't know how you look at this, but you know, I like what somebody said one time. He said, we don't, ha we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Uh, guys, we don't have to serve the Lord. We get to serve the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm impressed. You know what I'm impressed with this, God, about? I'm a piece of dirt. That's all I am. Walking, talking piece of dirt. And this piece of dirt addresses its creator. Now, what could I call him? Well, I could call him creator. I could call him master. I could call him God. I could call him almighty. There's all kinds of things I could call him. But a piece of dirt addresses its creator, and I say, Father. Because that's how he made it. And then, if that's not, not, come on, guys, isn't this true? If the Lord would have saved you from hell, and, and there would have been no option to serve him, you'd still be glad you got saved, right? But I don't know anybody did that. We all get a chance to serve him. And I just don't understand it. I, I like, you know, uh, people say, well, you must hate being in church all the time. No, we like being in church all the time. I, I like being around God's people. You must hate being around God's people. I, we like being around God's people. I mean, meet new people, shake hands, steal watches. But we do. We like what we do. Uh, you know, I got, I got everybody and their dog telling me, why don't you retire? And I said, well, I still, these still seven sermons are still working, so I'm going to keep it up. But, and I told her, I said, babe, we're going to slow down. But I said, we're going to slow down when we, when we feel like we have to. We're not going to just cut it off because when we stop this, we're going to miss it. But the next sentence had better be, but we couldn't keep going. Not, oh, we quit too early. But man, do we like doing this. You know, I get a lot of preachers and they'll say, uh, uh, well, you know, I know you have books to write, and so I don't want to bother you. And I, and I do. I've been working on a book this week. And I say, look, I bring my work with me, and I take it with me. But I only got four days with you. We have so enjoyed being, uh, having supper at your pastor's house, the fellowship that we've had. We had breakfast with Dave Corey. And so we, we just have enjoyed. We enjoy that. We love what we do. And if you don't like what you do, if you got a job and you can't stand it, get another job. If you don't like serving people, well, I don't like taking their orders. And well, then, then why did you take the, I knew a guy that joined the Marine Corps. And once he got in, said, I hate people telling me what to do. <laughs> you didn't have a suspicion? <laughs> Maggot? <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, if you don't like taking orders, you don't like people telling you what to do, and you joined the military? You need to have a good attitude. This is a good one. This is important. A good waiter or waitress thinks only about your satisfaction. Uh, I don't think I'm special in any way. I'm honest, there's nothing special about me. But when I go into a restaurant, I should be special to that waiter or waitress. Uh, again, one of the things that I, I flog our young men, the preachers, I flog them, I beat them. That you are a servant. You are not special. You are not, you are not uh, royalty. You are a servant and you find out how you can serve people. That's what you're supposed to do. And, and when I go into a restaurant, I think they ought to serve me. I think they should worry about my satisfaction. Uh, this happened. This happened a long time ago. 
Uh, because I'm not even sure if we had kids. But um, I was going to take Kathy out. And we hardly had two dimes to rub together. So <clears throat> to take her out was like a four or five week savings process. Okay? And honest, guys. Okay? I told you. I like my steak medium rare. If I go to a steak place, I order steak medium rare. They bring it well done. I eat it. Say, why? I, I just eat it. Oh, well. I didn't get it the way I wanted. Oh, well. Um, but we, we go to this restaurant, and this lady comes by, and she says, uh, what would you like? And we both ordered steak. How would you like a cook? We both like it medium rare. We ordered medium rare. Uh, we went and got some salad. And, and, um, uh, and then, so we're having a cup of coffee and salad and working for our steak. And directly, this lady brings our steaks, and I had a suspicion. I mean, you know, guys, when, when they put it on the table and it's shaped like that and it's that thick and it is the color of this pulpit, I'm guessing it's probably well done. And, and so she walked away. I cut into mine. Mine was well done. Hers was well done. Ordinarily, I wouldn't care. But we, I had saved like five weeks just to take this lady out for a nice steak dinner that she wanted. So I called the lady over. She said, is there a problem? I said, uh, I said, when we ordered these steaks, how do we ask them to be cooked? She said, medium rare. I said, well, look at that. Oh, that is not medium rare. I'll get you two more steaks. Well, that's actually how it should be. So she goes back there. We have some more salad and, uh, uh, and, and then some coffee. And after a while, she comes back out with two more steaks. Had I not cut the first ones, I would have thought she brought the same ones out. Same shape, same thickness. And she would drop, put, drop the table and walked off. And I cut it in mine. Cut, just cooked all the way through. Kathy's cooked all the way through. So I'm looking at this, you know, and she happened by. She goes, there probably. I said, ma'am, how did we ask to have these steaks cooked? She said, medium rare. I said, look at those. She said, that is not medium rare. I'm getting you two more steaks. Now, I'm getting under conviction. <laughs> two people, six steaks. I told Kathy, I said, they're going to kill every cow in the state to get us two steaks. So we go get some more salad and, and uh, coffee. And this lady brings over the next two steaks. Now, she did not have to. She could have pointed on our table, and they could have walked over there themselves. They were not medium rare. They were not rare. They were raw. <laughs> All I can figure is back in the kitchen, the cook went like this. Give this to them. You know when you put your steak in it, your, your fork in it, and it winces? This is not cooked. I want a steak. I don't want a transfusion, too. And so we're perplexed, and I, I'm looking at this steak, and she's looking at her steak, and we wanted to have a nice night. And this lady sees there's a problem. I mean, we could have taken them home and cooked them. And she comes over, is there a problem? Now, I don't know how she never noticed, you know. But I, she, I said, uh, when, when we asked to have these steaks cooked, how did we ask? She said, medium rare. I said, look at that. She goes, those aren't even cooked. And then she looked at me and she said this, what can I do to make this right? And I said, ask your manager if we can pay for the salad and the coffee and we'll just go someplace else. I mean, guys, you know, I tell people I'll make you happy if I got to leave town to do it. And so I don't mind going somewhere else. 
And she went over to the manager, you know, and she said, well, he said, don't even worry about it. And so we left, you know, we had a lot of salad and coffee. And we had a couple of forks and knives, too. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what that lady got? It She got it. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and got something bad? And they said, they said one of two things. I took that off your bill. Or you got a dessert coming. I remember I was at a, at a, at a restaurant one time, and I'm, you know, I'm the guest speaker, so I'm not paying. And this meat, I, I had some kind of beef, I don't know what it was, but it tasted spoiled. It smelled spoiled. So I called the waiter, I said, I think this piece of meat is spoiled. He said, okay, well, what would you like? I said, well, I'd like, you know, I'd like this piece of meat, but I'd like one that's not spoiled. He goes, and he gets real smart. He goes, well, if that one's spoiled, it's all the same piece of meat, so if that one's spoiled, the rest of them are going to be spoiled. So I stabbed him in the eye. <laughs> it just wear me out. And so I ordered something else. And then later he comes out and says, oh, the cook checked and took another slice off that meat, and it is spoiled. I thought, oh, it's spoiled if he says it, not if I say it. But here's the thing, I'm not paying for it. But he never took it off the bill for the preacher that was paying for it. Now, I'm sorry, that is not. If you have ever got a bum meal, but left there satisfied, it is because that waiter or waitress said, I'm going to make this right. Isn't that true? Guys, can I ask you a question? When is the last time you ever prayed, tried to do something for God? When is the last time you ever said, are you satisfied? What can I do to make this right? What can I do to please you? We're so, we're so preoccupied with being served. And we're in, a, we're in a nation where we get served by everybody, but, but we get good service. And then we think God ought to be serving us. And it, says, it doesn't say the Lord is going to wait on you. It says we're supposed to wait on him. Um, this is a strange one. I don't know why this is. I've had some good waiters and waitresses, but then they do this. They'll come over, you know, they'll bring you the water, they'll bring you the, the menu, they take your order, they bring the food, and then they're abducted by aliens. They disappear from the face of the earth. You never see them again. They go on vacation. I don't know what happens. Sometimes I see them talking for 10 minutes over there on the other side of the restaurant or on their phone or talks about, and it's like, I did my job. I brought the food, and I'm, my, my, my water glass is like here, and my coffee cup is like here. And so I put it out at the edge of the table. I put it out way at the edge of the table. And I'll look at Kathy and say, you think if I shatter this on the floor, they'd notice us? Or maybe throw it against the wall or the window or something like that. And it's like once they wait on you, they never come back. Do you ever have one like that? All right, did you appreciate it? No. And I, you're not spoiled. But when we go into to, to a restaurant to eat, we all, expected, we all expect to have good service. Is that not true? And we expect them to come back and check on you regularly. And I am telling you guys, uh, I've been, I've been in, a, in a restaurant and the water glass came out full and when it got to here, it's not even in the warning track yet, okay? And suddenly my waiter waitress is filling it up. Or I'm barely down on the coffee and she's putting more in. Is there anything else you need? 
Do you need, oh, you need more cream. I'll go get some more cream. I've had them. They would note if, like, if I asked for a lot of cream or a lot of, uh, of sweetener, and if they see it going down, we never had to ask. They just went and got more. They check a good waiter or waitress. Doesn't just bring your meal to you. They check on you regularly. You don't want to be abandoned in a restaurant. Guys, can I ask you something? You ever check on them regularly? Now, I, I think this, guys. I really do. I think I'm talking to a group of people. I don't know if there's an exception here. I hope not. But I think I'm talking to a group of people that don't you want to please him in some way with your life? But do you ever check on him regularly? Do you ever go by and say, how am I doing? Because a good waiter or waitress checks on you regularly. Now, this one happened here. Um, a good waiter or waitress will impress you. I, I don't, maybe one of the guys is here uh, that was here then. You guys remember when Dick Green lived here? No, you wouldn't know him. He was gone before, before you came, Dave. But Dick Green was a member of our church, and he was getting ready to move. And we went out to his house to move. And then we went to breakfast. There was a little place, uh, I can't even remember where the little restaurant was, but about eight of us went to this little restaurant to get breakfast after we were done moving, packing him or whatever. And this, this waiter comes out. I mean, if you ever see somebody who thinks that is not, a waiter. This kid looked like he was the entire backfield for the high school football team. He was like this broad at the shoulders. He had this much neck. He didn't even bring a pad and a pencil. He comes out there and he goes, what do you have? And he's not ready to write anything down. So I told him what I wanted. How I wanted my eggs cooked. How I wanted what I wanted. Da -da -da -da. All right, well, you have. And I'm thinking, this kid is either got a really good memory or this is going to be one of the most memorable breakfasts we ever had. And he didn't take one or two people. I mean, there were at least eight, maybe nine of us, eight, about eight guys. He takes this one, boom, 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 boom. And so he goes back to the kitchen. We're talking, but all the time we're talking, I am preoccupied. My mind is in the kitchen. I am waiting, and I see the door open, and out he comes. And that young man brought every meal exactly as it was ordered and laid it in front of every person. And if somebody wanted wheat toast, they didn't go, oh, you gave me a white toast instead of wheat. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, switch on. Nothing. Everything was laid down in front of the very person that ordered it the way that they ordered it. Now, I am telling you something, guys. That's impressive. I've seen that since. Uh, I've seen men and women. You, I, now it doesn't astound me as much, except that it's usually just Kathy and I, or maybe four people. It's not eight or nine. But they'll come out, and they don't have anything to write with. And so I know it. I know it. they got a great brain. And they get it right. But that, that kid, I'm telling you, he didn't look like he was over 18 years old. And he's on the football team. He only counts by sixes, ones, and threes. Okay? I mean, he can't get anything right. And this kid, I've, I've been so impressed by that young man. Would it be nice if your service impressed the Lord? Would it be something if your service was so impressive that the Lord said, 
Hey, guys, let me tell you what they just did for me. Wouldn't it be something? See, we would impress each other. We want people to impress us. But wouldn't it be nice to impress the Lord with our service and how we waited on him? And then, guys, what comes at the end? Dessert, no. The tip. Don't we leave a tip? We leave a tip, and we leave it according to good service. Now, uh, can I help you? I, I hope no one is like this. I hope there's no one like this. I ask somebody, you know, do you leave a tip? And they go, I give them the gospel. That's the greatest news in the universe. Do you understand that they don't understand the value of that? And that they're not going to take that to the gas station and fill their car? They're not going to take that to the grocery store and get food for it? So leave a track and leave a good tip. Don't leave a, a, a track with a dollar, all right? And if we get bad service, we leave a good tip. If we get good service, we shock them a little. You say, why? Because I want to keep, in fact, in fact, uh, honest, I never have stopped a waiter or waitress and said, your service is not good. I've had bad service. But I've never stopped and said, your service isn't good. Why don't you improve? Or why don't you get another job? Or anything? I'm, I'm honest, guys. I'm not like that with people. But I've stopped a lot of them halfway through the meal and said, I want you to know your service has been exemplary. You have brought us what we wanted. You've watched out for our water and our coffee. You've, you've, you've brought us everything. We never had to ask you for anything. I said, and then I tell my sister, I said, you know, it's times like this. I wish I believed in tipping. And then they stab me in the eye. But, but guys, the tip comes at the end. And you know what the tip reflects? What kind of service you got. And I guarantee you, everybody in this room, we want a good tip. The judgment seat of Christ, we're hoping God is going to say, man, you, you did good, faithful servant. Well, have you? We all expect to get good service. Honest, I do. I think, I, think, I think you deserve good service when you go to a restaurant. I really do. And we all want that. But do we, do we ever think about how they wait on us as how do we wait on them? Or how do we wait on the Lord? Do we ever check? Do we ever ask our customer, am I doing okay? Have you got everything that you want? He doesn't, I'm sorry. He's not interested in what we want. I don't mean that in a bad way. Hasn't he already been good enough to you? Yeah, amen. Yes. But think about this. You get to wait on the God of the universe. Don't you want to do a good job? I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed. A good waiter or waitress notices you. They bring you what you want. They sweat the little things. They have a good attitude. They think only of your satisfaction. They check on you regularly. And they impress you. And they get a good tip. In just a moment, I'm going to have a word of prayer. When I get done praying, then the organ's going to begin to play. Maybe somebody needs to check with their customer tonight.
Maybe you need to talk to your customer tonight and say, have I been doing okay? You been getting what you wanted? Have I been overlooking the little things? Have I been too busy to check back with you? Or have I been thinking that you ought to serve me? Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your great kindness. Thank you, God, for the honor, for the privilege that after we are saved, we get to serve you, that we get to wait on you. God, what a thing that if we could do something that would impress you, that would indeed put a smile on your face. I don't know how anybody counts success if it's a home run or a hole-in-one or a rack on a deer or a great meal that they cooked. I don't know how people count success. But success is if we put a smile on your face. Success is if we, we did a good job at serving our master. And God, we only have one customer. How can we, how can we mess up? We only have one customer to try to please. But maybe somebody here needs to check with you on how they've been doing. Maybe somebody here knows how they've been doing. They need to say, I'm sorry, I haven't taken very good care of you, but I'll try to do better. Because God, you know what I hope? I hope you get pleased. And I hope you get blessed. And I hope you get satisfied. We're, we, are, we are so normally, naturally thinking of ourselves. But help us to think of you, God, please. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.